Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 113 of Yoga Land. This is the pent-ultimate, I love that word, second to last episode of the summer series. Next week, I will share with you a bonus episode that we just did with Jason, where we answered your questions live in front of a live studio audience, a yoga studio audience. Isn't that funny that it actually is a live studio audience? because it's at a yoga studio. And before we get into the interview, I have two little pieces of housekeeping. The first is that Jason is offering a 200 hour training in San Francisco starting this September. He's teaching it with Laura Burkhart, who you can listen to on one of my past episodes. It's been a really long time since Jason has committed to doing a 200 hour training. And this is an opportunity to start with his method and his approach kind of on the ground floor of your training. It's also an opportunity for those of you who want to deepen your practice. And I'm kind of like the poster child for that because I did a 200 hour training, gosh, a long time ago, more than a decade ago. And I didn't know if I was going to teach afterward. I did teach part-time for a few years, but it just kind of led me to my current place and career and to my current relationship to my practice, which is just something that I'm obviously so grateful for. So if you're thinking about it, I will put a link to the information page on our show notes page. And I'll also put a couple of blog posts that Jason and Laura have written about what to expect from a 200 hour teacher training. I also want to just thank you all for leaving your iTunes reviews and feedback. About once a month, I get this email with all of the international reviews. If you have a podcast and you're wondering where I get this, what is this person's? Oh, go to mypodcastreviews.com and you can sign up and this guy will collate them all and send you all your international reviews. So I see them now and I want to give a shout out to my Canadian listeners. I have so many <laughs> reviews from Canada this time. And uh, so thank you. Thanks for listening. And I'm glad you're out there. Okay, okay, I feel like I'm being long-winded for me with this intro. Today, my guest is Debbie Steingesser. Debbie is a longtime yoga friend of mine. She used to live in San Francisco. We always kind of lived in the same neighborhood. We moved around the city living in the same neighborhoods. She is a longtime vinyasa flow teacher. She's still a vinyasa flow teacher, but she has added a certification and a, a limb to her teaching, which is she's also a certified level two CrossFit trainer. Jason and I have talked about having someone on to to talk about strength training and and how you can complement your yoga practice for a while. And so I'm just so glad to reconnect with Debbie and get her perspective. Debbie is also the founder. I want to give a little plug for her website. She's the founder of Yogi Wad, yogiwod.com. Wad means workout of the day. And she was really impressed that I actually knew that, which I don't know how I knew that. It's a CrossFit term. So this is one of my long interviews because I felt like there was so much to cover with Debbie. She is still, she, she's sort of a, a traditionalist in a sense. Even though she is now a fitness trainer, her yoga classes are just straight up purely yoga. And then her fitness is straight up purely fitness. So we talked about that a little bit. And we talked about the ways that CrossFit and strength training can be complementary to yoga practice. And one of my favorite takeaways from the interview, one of the things she said was, you know, in any other sport, or actually this may have come out in our phone conversation and not come through in the interview. So it's 
even more important that I pointed out. She said, any other professional athlete isn't going to necessarily train for their sport every single day. They are going to cross train. They're going to train for their sport using other, other forms of movement and training. So I like this idea of thinking about cross training so that you can be healthy and stable and solid in your yoga practice. And I've talked about this a ton on the podcast, but you know, I just have the kind of body that I just don't retain strength that easily. I'm more flexible. So for me, adding weight training to, and I don't do CrossFit, but I do weight training and adding that to my regimen over the past, gosh, three to four years has completely changed my yoga practice. And I still sometimes, if I stop strength training for a few weeks, like if we're on vacation or something, when I come back to Chaturanga, Chaturanga is really hard for me again. So this episode might especially appeal to the the flexible people in the crowd who need that balance of strength training. She also um, talks about how she teaches yoga to athletes and some tips and approaches for that that I thought were great and and really interesting and and just some of the terminology and sort of instead of telling them that you know yoga is calming and will help them relax, you talk about down regulation because that's that's in their wheelhouse like that's a term that they understand and and respect. So anyway, onward with the interview. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, Debbie. So I am so excited to have you here today. I've actually, Jason and I have been talking about doing kind of a cross training episode for a while and I, I didn't know who to talk to. And then you and I reconnected. So I'm just really, really happy that you reached out and I'm excited to talk to you. I'm so thrilled to be here because I'm like your number one fan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so sweet. (laughs) I'm always really honored when people who know me listen to the show because I don't know, it's just kind of a funny thing to put yourself out there. So uh, I don't know. That's that's nice. Thank you. So you have been a yoga teacher for a long time. I mean, more than a decade. You were a yoga teacher in San Francisco. Now you live in Santa Cruz and you are also now a certified level two CrossFit trainer. So I want to just kind of start at the beginning of your story. And I would love to know how you went from being a yoga teacher and what I assume was like a full-time, full-on yoga person, yogi all the time to discovering strength training. Yeah. So it was kind of a windy road, like everything is. And basically after probably eight years of teaching and practicing yoga and then having a background of gymnastics and dance and just a lot of flexibility training in my life, I tore my hip labrum, which I think is something that happened just over time. It wasn't like an overnight thing. And I had no idea what that was when it happened. I was just, you know, I was doing my yoga practice like five, six days a week as we were told to do. And I started noticing like a pinching that got worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And And let's just talk about for a moment what the, we've talked about on the show before, but just a reminder, the hip hip labrum is the cartilage in the hip, right? It's basically what protects the joint around Mm -hmm. it. So when it, when it tears, it sort of wears thin. And so you don't have that protection around the joint. So it, it happens a lot to athletes and sometimes it'll happen like in a moment. Sometimes it'll happen over time Mm -hmm. and it can sometimes be hard to diagnose because where you're feeling the pain might not be where the actual tear is. So it's sort of one of those interesting injuries where also you could have it for a long time and not know. And I think, I think I probably had it for a long time or it was happening over time and I didn't know. 
And, you know, I just kept going to yoga classes and sinking in and sinking in as I was told. And eventually that, that led to this tear. And so I, I saw an orthopedic doctor after kind of dealing with it for a while and it wasn't going away. And thank God he recommended going to physical therapy before surgery, which was the best advice for me. Mm-hmm. And some tears need to be repaired through surgery. I'm not against that at all. But for my tear, it wasn't a level of pain that I needed surgery. So I went to physical therapy and was immediately introduced to strength training in kind of a rehab sense and doing Pilates reformer and sort of things that were building my glutes and my low abdominals and my hamstrings and muscles that hadn't been firing. Right, right, right. And when I first saw the physical therapist, she was like, you're like a noodle. Like (laughs) you need to, you need to build some strength. So that kind of started me on the journey. And then at the same time, my best friends were opening a CrossFit gym in Massachusetts and they had been doing it for years and I was not interested at all. I was like, I'm a yogi this sounds crazy. Like they went from being vegan bike messengers to like eating paleo meat all the time and doing CrossFit competitions. And I was like, what happened to you? Right. Like one extreme to the other. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like starting this strength training and I'm, and, and I'm also at the same time feeling that I just needed something. And so I was back in Massachusetts over the summer and I tried a class and I didn't even know if I, I didn't think I was going to like it. And I loved it. Like I was just, I was so in love with it that I needed to do it again as soon as possible. I went back the next day and I think it also helped that it was like my best friends. Yeah. Yeah. So it had that feeling, but I just, I loved the, the feeling of feeling strong and powerful and connected in that way. That's so it was so cool. Yeah. It was, it was really fun. And so I started there. And then when I got back to San Francisco, I started at San Francisco CrossFit, which at the time, now there's so many CrossFit gyms, but at the time it was one of three gyms in San Francisco and it was in the parking lot be- behind sports basement. Oh my so gosh. Outside. So it was like the complete opposite of a nice warm yoga studio. It was like we were outside in the freezing, foggy, whatever temperature it was lifting weights on the pavement. Wow. So extreme to the other, but yeah. it was really, it was really a, a cool sort of introduction. Yeah. When did you start to feel better from the hip injury? Like, did physical therapy kind of get you to a level where you were feeling better and then you weren't, you know, and then you were ready for CrossFit? Or do you feel like CrossFit actually helped you heal it? That's a great question. So I was was completely pain-free when I started CrossFit. I had had no pain for maybe a couple of months. It was very new, but I still didn't feel like I was strong per se. And so I, I feel like CrossFit gave me the skill set to maintain because I think, I think if I had just gone back to doing what I was doing, you know, something else would have maybe, I don't know, I don't want to say torn, but I just, I think that CrossFit gave me the skill set and the tools to feel stronger and stable and not get re-injured yeah, or not. Yeah, yeah sort of nagging pain. <laughs> like my labrum is still, is still torn. I just don't feel, I don't feel pain from it anymore. That's amazing. So, you know, I've talked to you offline about how, like, I always think about trying CrossFit and I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> and I am just like you, like I grew up a dancer. I did gymnastics when I was really young. I've done always kind of individual training kind of things. I'm a total introvert. 
So what was it for you, especially like juxtaposed with yoga and that practice? What was it that kind of hooked you with, with CrossFit or what do you think are the, like the basic fundamentals that make it such a good fit for you? I'm pretty much an extrovert. So I think right away I was really drawn to the community aspect of it. Yeah. And what kept me coming back because I'm not a workout kind of person. Like I never went to a gym and did weights on my own or train or like a treadmill. That was not my, I also have dance yoga, you know, yeah. that background. So I think initially it was really the community piece. And then I was meeting, I was meeting all these people that were different from the people I was meeting through yoga. And it wasn't like all these yoga teachers. It was suddenly I was meeting police officers and nurses and people that worked in the financial district who had never taken a yoga class ever in their life. And so it was just cool to have that experience. And then working and training at San Francisco CrossFit, I felt like I was in this complete sort of movement capsule where it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just CrossFit that people were talking about, but it was the owners and a lot of the staff were physical therapists. So their knowledge of the body and just movement practice is so vast. And then some of my coaches early on were Olympic weightlifting specialists and gymnastics specialists. And so I felt like CrossFit was kind of the common language, mm. but we sort of brought something else to the table where it was like, how can we all just move better and feel better in our bodies? So it, yeah, it that's really interesting as, as a yogi. Cause I was like, Oh, it's, it's complimentary versus yeah. other thing. How did it affect your yoga practice? Did you notice changes in your practice right away? Or did you kind of move away from yoga for a little while? How did that all work itself out? I, so I never, ever stopped practicing yoga throughout all of this. My practice has changed. It's shifted. The amount that I've practiced has differed over time, depending on what I'm doing training wise and yoga wise and my mood or whatever energy level. But I, I noticed a shift right away, just Mm mainly in my energy. And I, I think it was, I changed a lot of things right at once. So I think whenever you do that, you, you experience a shift, but I not only changed what I was doing physically and the amount of stuff I was doing physically, but I also changed my diet Hmm. and I sleep. And I had been a vegetarian for pretty much my whole life, like since second grade. And all of a sudden I started eating like more animal protein and especially after workouts And I felt so much better. Like I remember going to teach yoga and feeling like, oh, I suddenly have like a lot more energy. And then I just physically, I felt, I felt so much more stable. And I felt like I had this like hidden secret that, you know, I'd go to Yoga Tree Valencia and I was like, I just worked out in the parking lot for (laughs) an hour and in this place that no one knows about. So I felt like I was doing this thing that was kind of a secret and (laughs) so I I loved that feeling yeah yeah did you find that it changed any of your ability to do certain poses that you or the feeling in certain poses yeah I definitely felt better across the board in kind of strength poses and stability poses like planks chaturangas like I finally learned how to do a proper push-up which Mm -hmm. I think when you're not strong enough in your core or your glutes, it's really hard. And I felt like 
planks, push-ups, arm balances, and especially handstands, things mm-hmm. where I had to balance and even balancing poses. I could hug in and engage my muscles more. I think what sort of took a back seat were like the drop backs and the king pigeons and things that were really backbendy. I remember early on training with Kelly Starrett, who's the, the owner of San Francisco CrossFit and Mobility Wad and he's written a lot of books on this stuff. He was like, Debbie, you used all your get out of jail free cards. Oh, wow. (laughs) With backbending and, you know, doing these more kind of fancy opening. Can can you explain what he meant by that? Basically, I, you know, I stretched so long, like I'm, I'm hypermobile. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that we don't, we don't talk about a lot in the yoga world is people with a lot of flexibility like I have as much mobility as I probably need forever. I don't need to be stretching more. I actually need to be doing more strength work to hold to hold that flexibility and to make it more functional. Mm-hmm. So I can't really hang on my end range anymore without feeling, you know, without having that kind of pain. Okay. So I just don't, I had to sort of put those poses in, in a vault that I, you know, I, I still do back bends, but I don't, I don't do three wheels in a row at the end of class. Yeah. I mean, that's not like part, that's not something I've done. And I, and I'm okay with that because I'd rather do a really good handstand now. Right, right, right. It's, it's interesting. I think it's important for people to talk about how practice can change and shift. And we've been talking about it a lot lately and, and you're in your thirties, right? I mean, how, how old are you, Debbie? Yeah, I'm about to turn 36. Yeah. So that's actually, I mean, I feel like late thirties is a good time to start thinking about these things in earnest because, you know, especially for women, like your hormones start to change and that can change a lot of things. And, you know, it's just, you want to be doing this for the rest of your life. So you have to take these things into account and be reasonable (laughs) with yourself. It's actually interesting because I have, I really struggle with you know, like I'm not a natural backbender. I'm a natural forward bender. And like, I have open hips and things like that. Even when I danced, like I just like doing porter bras and stuff, like I've always had a really tight back. Strength training has actually helped me a little bit with my wheel, just with wheel. I mean, I don't really do super fancy backbends anyway, but because I had like no hamstring strength and no glute strength before. So now I can actually lift my hips higher so that I'm not like taking it all in my back and my shoulders. And it's such a, such a good feeling, you know, just to have that like extra support. I think the more you can support yourself in shape, the better. And, you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with wheel. I think wheel is great. And I think you can practice it safely. Just, I think there's sort of a, a shift that is happening and maybe, will continue to happen in yoga where, you know, people acknowledge what's best for themselves and their bodies versus like what the teacher is saying or. Yeah. An an image of what you want to do or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. What's I think what is so interesting about you is that you still teach yoga in a studio. So, and you teach, you know, everyday yoga students, you also teach CrossFit, and then you also teach yoga to athletes. So can you just break down for people who, you know, really don't know what CrossFit is, like, what are the components of CrossFit that you feel are, are really complementary for someone doing yoga most for most of their time in their body? 
So, so CrossFit was created by a coach, Greg Glassman, who has, he was basically a personal trainer in a gym and realizing that sort of the way that people were trained a lot of the time was not necessarily what was needed for, to support whatever else they were doing. So it was actually initially created as sort of a cross training platform for Olympic athletes or your grandma to be able to do something that was going to help them either be able to walk around the kitchen or be able to like go play water polo professionally. So it's a very big scale and it's constantly varied functional movement performed at a high intensity. So the intensity piece I think is really important for yogis because we, and for me personally, I was always looking for that sort of burn in a yoga class and feeling like, Oh, I need to work really hard and push myself. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I, I just don't know if the practice is necessarily designed to be that level of intensity or that level of conditioning. Mm -hmm. So I think with CrossFit, being able to work at a high intensity, have load, which is, you know, weightlifting and then have that sort of that endurance piece, which we don't get a lot, you know, in yoga, you might get your heart rate up, but it's not really designed to be like an hour long workout. And so I think the elements of CrossFit that are great is that you get all that energy out. So then when you go to your mat, you can really enjoy sort of the more restorative and mindfulness benefits of yoga. So you're not looking for at your yoga practice as being like, as being everything. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Training for your yoga practice is how I've always looked at it. Mm -hmm. So the weightlifting I think is huge with being able to be under a barbell and feeling that strength and stability and then the conditioning, like doing a bunch of hill hill sprints is never a bad idea. (laughs) Oh my God. It sounds like a horrible idea to me. (laughs) (laughs) Do you actually feel good during it now or just after? Never feel good doing a CrossFit workout. It feels terrible. Okay. That was something to get used to. And it never gets better. Like the more, the more you do it while you're doing it, you're like, I, I'm always smiling and I'm never smiling when I'm doing like the wow. only time myself not smiling is like in pictures of CrossFit workouts. I mean, they're, they're hard. It's for everybody, but it's not for everyone. You know, like it's, it's intense. And I'm not saying that like all yogis should go out and crossfitters you know it might not be the right thing for everyone but some sort of piece where there's load there's conditioning there's those pieces yeah 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 so you said you said functional movement constantly varied at a high intensity yeah interesting so the constantly varied I definitely want to pick up on because we just Jason and I just did a podcast about injury and he was talking about, you know, the repetitive movements in yoga and that that is such a huge contributor to injury. And he's really trying to kind of alter the, I mean, he's been doing this for a while, but like, I feel like in yoga classes, you hear teachers say all the time, you know, you can always drop your knees down and chaturanga, or you can always rest in child's pose, but he's actually trying to now make it like a part of the flow, like drop your knees down, come all the way down and then come into forearm plank, you know, like substituting something else that will engage their attention and like engage their body in a different way. So they're not feeling like, oh, I'm quote unquote wimping out if I put my knees down. 
in Chaturanga or something like that. So yeah, that's interesting. Constantly varied functional movement at a high intensity. The idea is that you're doing something different every day. Yeah. No two days are alike. So that's why it's so hard. I bet. So one day you might go in and you're squatting heavy, like you're doing a five by three back squat first, let's say like you're doing, I don't know what that is, but it sounds really, really hard. Five sets of three back squats (laughs) where you're working up to a heavy weight. The next day you might go on a mile run for time, you know, so it'll be something that's drastically different versus if you go to a vinyasa class, you see a lot of the same thing. And if you go to six in a row, you're, you're doing a lot of lunges. Yeah. So, so has it affected the way that you teach yoga in the studio? Yeah, very much so. I, I joke that I teach strength and conditioning to yogis and I teach yoga to athletes because yeah. I, the benefits are huge. And so I, I teach in a pretty traditional yoga studio in Santa Cruz and my students are yogis. Like mm-hmm. they're not, they're not athletes. And a lot of them don't even know that I have any sort of CrossFit background. They just come to me cause I'm a yoga teacher. And so I try to trick them into doing things that under the pretense of yoga mm-hmm. and we do a lot of stability work and I I'm constant I'm able to see bodies in a different way because of just especially my work with with Kelly and the physical therapists I'm able to see like oh they're they're sinking in too much or you know they're in they're overextended so I really work I feel like like I really work independently with students and I'm able to not physically adjust them, but give them verbal cues that help sort of draw things in versus overextend. Yeah. 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 So I, like I still teach a vinyasa flow in a, you know, in the way that I was trained to sequence a vinyasa class, but I, I do it with a lot more focus on stability and building strength than sinking in because they're, they're going to sink in everywhere else. You know, these are students that are going to Ashtanga classes also. So if they want to do hard poses, like they're doing hard poses elsewhere. So I feel like that's not really what I am teaching. Like I'm not teaching to a peak pose per se, but I'm teaching to just an overall stability. Do you, is it more in the way that you cue or do you actually like pull in slightly different variations of things or like um, more functional movement based you know, exercises that you sort of somehow spin as an asana? Like, how, what does that actually mean? Yeah, I definitely make yogis squat like athletes and kind of trick them into having tension in squats versus just thinking into a malasana. And I always cue drawing in through the low abdominals. So like you were saying with what Jason does, I have people every every single class, I show the variation of putting your knees down engaging your core to lower down in a chaturanga. And I say, if you're still building strength to lower, like this is a great variation. So I think I teach the basics a lot in a more stable fashion. So people can adapt their practice to that and then just hug in side body long. I feel like that's what I just repeat that over and over rather than I'll always say like the days of sinking in are through. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was the language that really got me in trouble. Wow. Thinking it, I remember specifically just going sinking and sinking and sinking and feeling like pinching and pinching. Yeah. 
It's funny. I actually can't believe like that. You, you, that was a cue that you heard a lot. That's yeah. I don't know what to say about that. Cause I, yeah, that's not a great, I don't think that's a great cue for anybody. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's become so much more developed as yoga teachers. I think, you know, at that point, this was in the early two thousands. And I think there's been a lot since then of practices that are more stability based and yeah. yeah, yeah. Have. And there's a whole movement of teachers that are doing strength training type things in their classes. And I'm sort of a purist. Like if I go to a yoga class, like I want the yoga class to be a yoga class. I lift weights elsewhere. So I don't mm-hmm. need like three pound weights in my yoga practice. No offense to the yoga with weights thing. Like I think that that's great for people to kind of give them a taste. Yeah. But if I go to a yoga class, like I want to do yoga. That's sort of my... Yeah. Jason has a similar, it's, it's funny. Jason has a similar take and that, and he does Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So he has a completely different, like intense physical discipline too. I feel like I want to try CrossFit. And if it really is just like too much for me, the yoga with weights could be a good option. You know, not that that's the only yoga I would do, but it could be like a way for me to have someone push me a little bit but because uh, I do all my like weight training on my own when I don't like super, super push myself, you know, I just kind of maintain. It's like a good gateway drug. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because Brazilian jiu-jitsu, actually, there's a big tie with CrossFit and Bra- Brazilian jiu-jitsu. They actually teach it up at the CrossFit headquarters office. But one of the early, early CrossFit adopters, this guy Garth, he was, he was cross-training CrossFit with jujitsu. So that's been a, they've been connected for, for a very long time. Oh, wow. Yeah. They do a, like the warm up. I think for jujitsu is very like traditional fitness warmups. Jason is in the best shape of his life. It's crazy. When I look at him these days, I'm just like, whoa, you're huge. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> needed a little huge. That's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, it keeps him, um, because it's funny, like, even though he has a quote unquote tighter body for yoga, there's still times when yoga can create pain for him too. So, so it's actually balanced his yoga practice too, even though he's got a totally different body than you and I. Yeah. It's kind of fascinating. Okay. Is there anything specifically, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, that you wish was taught differently or that we did differently or that we just didn't even do in the yoga world? This is something you know, like you're not the only person. I just want to put that out there. I mean, I feel like this is being talked about a lot. And so I just want to kind of like have an open conversation about it. I think that we sort of as a community need to acknowledge that yoga doesn't have to be everything. Like there can be so many things that we can do to enhance our yoga practice. And we're still yogis, just, just the same if we're doing other things. And I think there's always been sort of this idea that yoga is good. And like doctors and physical therapists will say, just go do yoga if you're injured and yoga's yoga's going to fix you. And I think 
I think in some ways, you know, yoga has helped bajillion people, but I also think that, that there's ways that the practice might be limited and we don't need to get everything from the practice. Like it's, it's like, you don't go to a Chinese restaurant and think you're going to get Mexican food. Like it's, but you enjoy the Chinese food because it's awesome. Yeah. Or I do. Cause I'm an East coast Jew, but, <laughs> but, like, but you, it's like, you don't expect that you're going to a coffee shop and it's a Michelin star restaurant. You know, you just, you have, there's certain things. I feel like we put all these expectations on yoga that it's this complete practice. And I think in a lot of ways, it's an amazing practice, but maybe, you know, you're not going to do hill sprints in a yoga class. You're not going to squat heavy. You're not going to do a handstand walk across the yoga studio. And maybe those are all things that are going to help your practice. You're not going to do a Brazilian jujitsu match in the middle of the yoga room. And, but that might actually really enhance your yoga. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that awareness and then also for yoga teachers to really be able to see their own body and see students' bodies and be able to recognize like this is a hypermobile student. Maybe they don't need to be hanging in all these really sexy looking poses. Maybe they actually need to be pulled back. And I think that, you know, the things we see on Instagram and these poses that are, that are presented and even teachers that are hanging out and posting these photos, it's, like that's what we glorify as yoga. And I think it's maybe not the really sexy stuff that we need to do all the time that will help balance us. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think those are both such important and also liberating points, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I really do. I mean, I feel like, yeah, I feel very similarly. I was just all yoga all the time for the longest time. And I mean, it's funny because one time I, I was talking about this on a episode and someone wrote to me and was like, well, I do yoga all the time. Is it, is that bad? <laughs> I was like, no, I mean, you know, y- you have to figure out what works for you. I'm totally not judging anybody, but I just realized that for my body and especially my age, you know, like as you get older, you start to lose muscle mass. Like it starts to get harder to maintain certain things. And I'm like you, like maintaining flexibility is not that hard. Maintaining like a mo, you know, a, a baseline mobility range of motion is not that hard for me. What's hard for me is to maintain the muscle and the strength right. and like the feeling of endurance. So yeah, I think that's super liberating. And also it's so interesting to talk about this issue of glorifying the poses. I mean, I feel like when I go way back to thinking of when I started at Yoga Journal, you know, when I started there, we came out with our black and white yoga book. Do you remember that book? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Beautiful book. Oh, my gosh. It's the most beautiful book. And it's got photos of all these sort of big name yoga people doing the different poses. And it's like Richard Freeman and um, the Jiva Mukti, you know, Sharon Gannon and David Life and Sarah Powers and Natasha Rosopoulos. And like, it is so gorgeous. And I can remember looking at that book and just being like, I want to do that. I want that. And it, it, so it's like, even before Instagram, you know, it is sexy. You're right. And it is part of what motivates us to practice. And we somehow have to find a balance between like feeling that motivation and that excitement and that, you know, possibility of like, and I think the thing that's really cool about, you know, quote unquote, deep or hard poses is, is part of it is what's cool about it is this feeling of doing something you never, ever anticipated you could ever 
do. Like that's just not a novel, amazing, empowering feeling. So it's like somehow we have to figure out this way to like individually, I think it has to be self-responsibility in a certain way and the way that we teach, but of like that excitement and motivation being okay, but also ultimately balancing it with what's really going to keep you healthy in the long term. Right. And yeah. I think I think it's a constant process of re-examining what's important because for just for me, when I first started doing CrossFit, all of a sudden I was like five, six days CrossFit, one day yoga. Mm-hmm. You know? And then that felt like out of balance. And I feel like right now, after six years of doing CrossFit and a million years doing yoga, I finally sort of have a good balance and it's really intuition based of like, how do I feel today? Do I feel like I want to lift heavy? Do I feel like I want to go to restorative yoga and sort of listening to that more? But that came over time yeah. because both practices have a lot of prescriptions of how you should do them and how often and when, you know, and so I think really sort of learning about yourself and, you know, Jill Miller talks about this a lot with, with her tuna balls and her, her hip surgery and just kind of relearning the practice and as over time and as your body changes, I think it's really important. Yeah. So, yeah, I was going to ask you how you balance the two in a, in a typical week. Like if you say to yourself, I definitely want to make sure I do three CrossFit sessions a week, or I definitely want to do three yoga practices, or if you I just play by ear. cherry picking a lot lately. Like I, I used to be really on a training plan and I did like early on, I've never been a really good athlete in CrossFit. Like CrossFit athletes are so unbelievably incredible. And I, I've always been like fairly average and, but I, I would follow like a pretty strict five, six day plan. Now I'm more like three or four days CrossFit and I've, and I've introduced more yoga again and more vinyasa yoga. Cause for a while I was, I've always taught vinyasa yoga, but for my own practice, I was doing more restorative and yin, which helps a lot in working with athletes. Cause that was, that's a good tool set to have. Cause that's really, it's a good balance. But so now I, I try to get to two vinyasa classes a week and then I train like four days a week. So I, and then I usually do, I usually do like one yin, one vinyasa, four days training. That's sort of a balance right now, but that could change next week. It's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. I think that's like what I like about it is I'm always figuring it out for myself what what works the best and I've been like completely injury free and feeling good in my body for for a long time now for the longest I've had in a long time so I I feel like whatever is happening I'm I'm listening better yeah I mean I think that's like that's actually I think is the ideal place for everyone to get with their yoga practice do you feel like I'm just wondering if you feel like the years of yoga and like the self-inquiry and self-study kind of had an advantage for you when you started strength training in terms of being able to gauge like what you need on any given day. Do you think that came from the yoga practice? Yes, very much so. Yeah. I I feel like I've always been sort of moderate and a lot of a lot of people around me, especially people with athletic backgrounds and sport backgrounds they push themselves to the edge and then that leads to injury too. You know, Mm -hmm. if if you're not listening and you're pushing and pushing and it can be the other extreme. And so I've always, I've always thought about it 
as I have to go teach yoga tomorrow. Like I can't, I can't not walk, you know, (laughs) Yeah. what so heavy that I'm not walking or like I've competed in the CrossFit open the last five years or six years, rather it's this big online competition that happens once a year. It's the qualifier for the regionals and the CrossFit games and the CrossFit community. And this last year, I did the workouts at 10 a.m. at CrossFit Santa Cruz, and then I had to teach at noon at Santa Cruz Yoga. So I all I knew was that I had to show up and teach yoga in half an hour. So I couldn't I couldn't go to like the red zone. And I think that I think for me that's good. So, you know, some people they go to the red zone every day. Like my husband, he can live in the red zone and wake up the next morning and be fine. So wow. I think totally depends. And he was a football player, and so he you know, he has that in him and he feels no pain. Hmm. I'm like, or, you know, he'll do, he'll be lying on the ground, like exhausted after, after a workout and then go walk the dog and eat lunch and be fine. Whereas I'm really sensitive to acknowledge that and train to that capacity and also be able to do my job. Yeah do my yoga practice. They really do balance out for you. They really do keep you in check. It sounds like the two different disciplines. I'm glad I have both. I I think it's really made me appreciate yoga in a way that I was before I started doing it. I was, I was just getting like, like you said, it was all yoga all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was in my twenties in San Francisco. I taught yoga. I went to yoga. I had kirtans at my house. I spent my vacations in Costa Rica at yoga retreats. I led yoga retreats. So I had no, there was literally no, nobody that I even saw that didn't speak this language. Mm -hmm. So I thought like when I saw my family, they were like the only people that (laughs) were not these complete yogis. So then when I started working at a CrossFit gym and suddenly I was introducing yoga practice to athletes who never did yoga and I have like this financial guy from San Francisco telling me he's listening to Krishna Das on a plane to go to a big finance meeting in New York. I'm like, that's amazing. You know, he just never yeah. would have known. And he has no idea who Krishna Das is or, yeah. you know, who any, whatever that is. So it just gave me a new love. It's like you're a five-year-old and you're discovering things for the first time. I was like, oh, these practices are amazing. And you don't have to live in them 24-7 to have that experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm athlete can do yoga once a week and they can still feel the yoga. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's talk about your teaching athletes. So first of all, do you teach in a group setting or do you teach one-on-one? So mostly with athletes, I teach in a group setting. Okay. What is your approach? Like what are the basic, what are the things you're trying to teach them and what do you have to do differently from let's say teaching your studio classes where the people are more hardcore yogis? I think the most important thing is that I speak to them as them, that I'm one of them versus I'm this yogi who come. Cause I think knowing the language of what they do is really important and has always given me a level of acceptance. Whereas just a, some yoga teacher who doesn't lift or, you know, doesn't know what they do. It's not, it's that like trust that mm-hmm. that's there. So I, so I, I speak, I speak to them a little bit more candidly, you know, just a, a little bit more. It's, there's rough around the edges, I guess, in, in a gym, in a CrossFit gym. But then also I, everything I do, I try to complement what I know they're doing. So I'm not, you know, if they just did 
walking, heavy walking lunges. I'm not going to make them lunge and you know, I'm not, or if they just did a workout with pushups, I'm not going to do a practice with chaturangas. Like I'm trying to do things that are mainly going to help them calm down and restore and breathe Hmm. because the breathing is the most important thing because athletes, they, they don't know how to breathe. Oftentimes they, they have no breath training. And so just having them lie on the ground and breathe, it's huge. Like Hmm. instructive rest or, just in a supported pose, just breathing. But I, I do enough to get them to a place where they can relax. Okay. So, and then when I teach my trainings, I now have a seminar where I teach coaches how to teach yoga practices. Everything is designed to be complementary and to be something that could be done quickly. So like if you're a coach leading a one hour CrossFit class, for example, what can you do in five minutes or 10 minutes at the end of class, that's going to kind of tie a bow around it and help the athletes come out feeling grounded and restored versus like, I just finished doing a crazy workout and I have to go back to my job, you know, or whatever. Yeah, like jacked so, up. Yeah, jacked up. So I try to give practices just like, you know, a sequence of rolling bridge poses, a recline twist, some breathing and some relaxation and just super small things that you can sprinkle in anywhere. Hmm. And then what I, what I do is I teach, like I teach full one hour classes to athletes, but then I also try to introduce those practices to coaches so that it doesn't have to be like, cause I, I get a lot of questions from athletes, like what should I do and what kind of yoga should I do? And then they go, they'll go join a yoga studio and they're like, I can't sit through an hour and a half class. Like that it's another thing. Mm. And so rather than them not doing anything, trying to bring little pieces in and some of them do end up like I have an athlete right now who, who came from a CrossFit background and then did a yoga training and is now going to be a yoga teacher. So some do really fall like head over heels for the practice, but some just really want to be better athletes. So like, what do I need to do to calm myself down at the end of the day so I can sleep, so I can return to the gym and be stronger. Oh. I think meeting people where they're at and helping make it uh, applicable to their training versus it's this whole other thing that you have to do that feels like I have to go to a studio five days a week when I'm going to the gym five, you know, it's not yeah. going to be conducive. So I try to break it down in a way that that is helpful. So it's very practical. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How long are the classes that you teach at the gym? They're one hour. Okay. Yeah. And CrossFit classes are one hour too. So I think that's sort of a familiar sure. time. And then my seminars are a full day. So like 930 to five. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, um, so the breathing is obviously really important. That must really help their athletics too. If they're not thinking, if they've never thought about their breath during whatever their, you know, their other athletics are. Um, do you notice alignment issues that you can teach in yoga that then helps them else, you know, in CrossFit and the other things they do? Yeah, definitely. CrossFitters tend to be very stiff, very stiff. And, And CrossFit in general, you have to be able to squat below parallel and to do a pistol, which is a single legged squat which is very, very hard if you're lacking mobility. So it's sort of the opposite problem. You know, in yoga, you have a lot of these more hypermobile or really hyperflexible people. And 
in CrossFit, a lot of people are so stiff that they can't do the things that they need to do. So I try to introduce things that will, that will get them into those shapes. Yeah. And do you use props or do you, do you not have props at the gym? (laughs) I get creative with, with props. So I use kettlebells as blocks because they can hold onto the kettlebell handle. Yeah. And it actually is is cool because they can stabilize their shoulder, like in a triangle pose, they can hold the kettlebell. And then I use medicine balls as bolsters a lot of times. And I, and there's also foam rollers. So foam rollers and, and lacrosse balls I'll do in, in CrossFit people do a lot of mobility work. And that's really thanks to Kelly at San Francisco CrossFit and mobility wide. And they, they know they're supposed to do like soft tissue work and joint capsule work. And so they'll put a band, they'll attach a, a band to a, to a rig and they'll do like a pigeon pose on a band or something. So to do that joint distraction work, or they'll, they'll use a lacrosse ball to release their T-spine sort of like Jill's yoga tune-up balls are a good example, or people use tennis balls too. Like Bo Forbes does that. And so, but that's like getting into the soft tissue and the fascia and then that's, that's generally good for them, but they don't, Sometimes they don't know exactly what they're, they know they're supposed to do something, but they don't know what they're supposed to do. So I, like I kind of fill in the blank because there's a lot in, in just strength and conditioning. There's a lot of information on the internet about what you're supposed to do. And so sometimes they're like, I know I need to breathe and relax and stretch, but I don't know how. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'll see them like in a hero's pose trying to recline when they can't even like sit on their heels. So it's like, they're (laughs) Right, right, right. It's really kind of bringing it back. So, like, wait, no, that's not going to do anything for your squat. Let's let's rein it in. Right, and so probably also like giving them some more self, like a different type of self awareness. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure CrossFit builds its own type of awareness athletically, but like it's totally different in yoga. It's yeah. so much more subtle. In yoga, we're taught to look inwards and to look at ourselves, and it really even if you're in a yoga class, it's a very unique experience that your, your turn, you know, your eyes can be closed In CrossFit. You're, it's very, you can't close your eyes. And I mean, maybe sometimes you can, but you can't like close your eyes and win the CrossFit games. You got to be like super focused. Yeah. And you're often in a group, you're working in a group of people. So it's very, it's very engaged in a, in a different way. So maybe, if you're in a group and you're doing a workout, like a team workout, it's maybe less likely that you're going to tune in and notice how you feel. Cause you're on a team and you're like, I got to support this team. Yeah. So that's be later. You're like, Oh no, I threw my back out you know, or, what, or whatever. Cause I wasn't listening. So I think just teaching those skills and I, I get the craziest feedback from athletes who I work with. I'm so curious. Like I just, I, I just had these, this, former professional football player in one of my seminars in San Francisco. And he had been in the NFL for like 10 years, just retired and started finding, finding yoga and mindfulness practice in, and now he's, you know, he's in his late thirties, probably as a family. And it's just like the light bulb goes on, you know, and, and you're like, Oh my, like you see it when you teach teacher trainings and you see people have these realizations for the first time you know, in yoga training, it's the same thing with athletes. Like suddenly they, 
they can feel something. Hmm. Whereas they were just taught, you know, in the NFL, there's no like looking inward and relaxing and breathing. It's like, we got a game to play. Like we're going to go play and we're training for that. So I think that incorporating the mindfulness and the breathing and the, we call it down regulation, being able to relax and calm yourself down. Cause a lot of these athletes, they can go from zero to 100 in one second, but they can't go from 100 to zero. And so, you know, when they're going to bed, they can't sleep. Oh, wow. That's so and interesting. I've experienced that with, with CrossFit a lot where, you know, I'm not doing as much meditation or yoga and I'm, you know, I'm lying in bed and I'm like, I cannot sleep. Like it's, wow. you're kind of amped up in a different way. So to be able to give them the tools that help with recovery, they're able to come back stronger to their sport or to their fitness. And yeah. That's really cool. That's really cool. That's like a very key piece of information. Cause yeah, I was actually sitting here wondering like, you know, obviously you can sell people on, you know, more flexibility will help your CrossFit or, um, you know, I'll help you with the, the soft tissue work. But I was thinking like, how do you sell them on the introspection on like the kind of what I think is like the really important part of yoga is, you know, the, the getting quiet and, you know, listening to yourself, understanding yourself, like seeing your responses, witnessing your responses. But if you're able to give them a concrete, benefit, like you'll, you know, once you can downregulate from a really big workout, you'll sleep better, you'll feel better. I would imagine that's like, that's a good inroad. And then you can, and then they, they experience the deeper benefits. That's great. Yeah. You trick them into it initially, (laughs) like completely trick them. Like, I don't, I don't go in and sit there and be like, we're going to chant a Ganesha today. But at the end of a class, like if the mood is right, I might or no, I don't say I might, I bring out my harmonium and I, and I lead Kirtan when they're in Shavasana or I, I chant while they're in Shavasana because I feel like that's a sweet thing and they, and they love it. So, but if, they, awesome. if that was on my bio, like Debbie's going to sing you a lullaby in Shavasana, like it would just not go over. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you kind of just, you filter it. I filter it in and I, and I make fun of it a lot. Like I lighten it up a lot for them because I think that you know, a lot of them have gone to yoga studios and it's been, it's been way too much. It's been so far from the language that they know that they just can't relate. Right. And so I try to, you know, I explain Hanuman as this like totally jacked CrossFitter who realized his power and like suddenly grew abs and they think it's really funny. And then they like text me memes of Hanuman later. And I'm like, this is awesome. You know, they get it, but it's not like I'm sitting there at a kirtan with my harmoniums telling them about Hanuman. So right. just try to filter it in and make it applicable. And I think that's just sort of how you work with anybody and just relating to, to people in general. Like that happens just like, I'm not going to go into the yoga studio and say, Hey, you guys need to come across the street and squat heavy with me at CrossFit Santa Cruz every day. Yeah. Like cause that would be alienating to them. But maybe if they're starting to hurt, like, Hey, do you want to try to do a one-on-one or you know, whatever. So it's just kind of meeting people where, where they're at, which is just, I think how you are a teacher. Yeah. 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 That's so great. Well, I'm so happy for you, Debbie. It seems like you've really figured out, like you've really carved out a niche for yourself. That's like very true to you. And I think that's like the key to happiness, you know, in your job is figuring out something that feels really real and authentic. 
And I think it will really inspire other people. Thank you. (laughs) Is there anything else you want to add? Is there anything I missed? Well, I think people should just think any movement is good movement. So I'm not saying anything is bad, like, but I think everything in an extreme is an extreme. So I, I, you know, I think try different things. And that's, that was one of the pieces of the methodology of CrossFit. I really liked, like you can still be a CrossFitter and go to yoga and you can still be a yogi and go to CrossFit or Brazilian jiu-jitsu or gymnastics or swim, you know, and you can try things that might enhance your experience of the practice. And I actually want, I'll, I'll leave this cause I, I'm so always inspired by this quote in Ganga White has a book called Yoga Beyond Belief. And he talks about how one day, like they're all in Europe and all these yoga teachers and they're, they're about, I might be butchering this, but they're about to go on like this art tour. But some of the yoga teachers say they can't go on the art tour because they have to do their practice. Uh-huh. like, look, like the art tour is the practice. Yeah. Like, today the art tour can be your practice. That's okay. So I think it's hard. It, we just can't be rigid about, you know, like go to the theater, go see live music, go lift a heavy weight, like try, try different things that are going to enhance your experience on the mat. Yeah, exactly. So, when you do that, go, when you go back to your mat, you feel interested again, like you feel sparked again and you feel kind of like you're coming home as opposed to like, Oh God, I got to do this again. <laughs> you don't yeah. want to feel that way. I noticed because I'm following you on Instagram that you just started doing, well, you've done video for a while, but what, what are you working on right now? Like where can people find you if they wanted to find you online? So I have my own website, which is yogiwad.com and that has a YouTube channel. And what is workout of the day, right? It is workout of the day. So right. Yogi W-O-D. <laughs> and so that's my personal website. And then I also, I'm on the mobility wad coaching staff. So mobility wad also workout of the day is Kelly and Juliet Starrett's company. They're the owners of San Francisco CrossFit and this is their online platform. And they release 20 minutes of content every day. The first 10 are daily perform video and this, and the later 10 are a daily recover video. So the idea is that the daily perform is to help you in the gym, like warm up, cool down, that kind of stuff. The daily recover is to help you recover. So in the evenings, and it's meant to be done, like if you're watching TV or in your living room or right before bed, right? So I I contribute to the daily recover. And so I'm doing half of them a month. Kelly does the other half. And they're meant to be just complimentary pieces, but they're, they're really for anybody. So if you're an athlete or you just want something, 10 minute practice at the end of the day, it's a mixture there's, there's a lot of yoga, but there's also a lot of mobility work. So soft tissue work that you can do with tune up balls or, or lacrosse balls or whatever you have, tennis balls and a roller. Those are the only things you need. It's maybe sometimes a towel. So it's meant to be like really, really accessible. Neat. That's so cool. I'm gonna have to go check them out. Yeah. And if you come to San Francisco, I want a little training sesh. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to come so I can train you at San Francisco CrossFit one would, afternoon. I would love that. That would be yeah. amazing. That would be so amazing. Yeah. Okay. I think if someone knows what to do, they can just they can just do it too. Yeah. I, I worked with uh, Kenny Graham, who's a yoga teacher in Santa Cruz, and 
I just worked with him for one hour and he has been doing, I taught him how to box squat, which is have a barbell on your back and squat to a box. He's been doing it like three times a week. I I wanted to meet with him two more times so I could teach him the whole gamut, but he's just been box squatting and he's like, I've had less back pain than I've had in years from this. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. I remember Kenny. I didn't know he was in Santa Cruz these days. That's so cool. Yeah. I see him all the time. I love it. Yeah. He's great. Oh my God. That is so funny. That's great. Uh, Yeah. A little, a little goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to strength training. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Debbie. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you, Andrea. So awesome. (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, it's always helpful if you leave an iTunes review or if you share it or if you just send it to someone who you think would benefit from it. I'll put show notes at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 113. And uh, until next week, enjoy your practice.